Hello and welcome to the Foreign Influence Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Nikolai. And we are joining you here in the new year. Yes, in the new year from sunny Singapore. It hasn't changed over Christmas. It's still sunny. It, and it's still, what, 34 degrees and um, pretty much 12 hours of daylight every single day. It's still pretty much the same thing. But A little bit humid. A little bit humid. And that hasn't changed either. I only say that to make people feel better. Yes. <laughs> it's just so humid. It just, uh, it's uncomfortably humid. Yeah, happy 2020 to all of you. We are uh, jumping in here to record a podcast in between some travel we've done around the holidays. Uh, yes, sir. You traveled, Nikolai? I traveled back to good old Europe. Spent a week in Paris, France, and a week in the Netherlands. Nice. Yes, Reconnecting sir. with family and friends, right? Family and friends. Family and friends. Yeah, and it definitely. was beautiful and sunny there as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a good solid two degrees Celsius. <laughs> uh, rainy. Oh, and uh, rain. Uh, yeah, rainy was But great. a warm rain. Of course, a warm rain that chills you to the bones. It was <laughs> really a, an amazing experience. I was happy to to be back in the in, in the tropics. Yes, yes, and and I uh, I went the opposite direction. I went south. I went to New Zealand, uh, where it is summertime. Uh, but these uh, islands out in the middle of the water, it was only like uh, 80, 75 to 80 Fahrenheit. So what is that? 20 to 24, yeah, I think is. As far as it got in Celsius, did you grow any hair on your feet while there, or is it? I should, well, they they swelled up, they swelled up, right. and and the hair was already there. Uh, they look big, man. They're, they're huge. There were there were hobbits running all over the place. You've man. gone up was, a couple of sizes. It was, it was creepy. There were uh, hobbits all guy. over. But it's a beautiful country. I, I, New Zealand. I just I gotta recommend it. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful here. place. So you know, we thought we would start off the new year with us kind of pleasant conversation and get it into here and talk about world events and then. You know, World War Free broke out. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, it's really something else. So if if, if for some reason you're not following it, uh, the Trump administration chose to take out a senior level Iranian official, something like the number two or number three person, uh, when he was in Iraq. Mm-hmm. It was an assassination, and uh, uh, Iran at this hour they retaliated with some attacks on some bases in Iraq. Uh, some American, where Americans are located. Uh, what's the plan? Where are we headed? What are we doing in the Middle East? Unclear. It's- Unclear. Well, I think what's interesting here is that we might have three different perspectives on this, right? A U.S. perspective, maybe a European one, and definitely an Asian one or a Southeast Asian one, at least. Right. So what order should we take here? Uh, let's start with U.S. Okay. So the U.S. perspective from the Trump administration, and it's not one that I share, is that the Iranians were uh, pushing, 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 uh, and it eventually led to the death of a civilian contractor, and they're upset that soldiers died over the course of the endless war in Iraq. Uh, And this guy apparently is a principal, Suleiman, is a principal Mm. architect, and uh, he uh, they cast blame on him, and apparently he's been on the radar screen for a while, and for whatever reason, it's still not clear they decided to take him out now. I don't share this at all, because I don't care how good or bad of a guy this was. This was warfare, and this could lead to a conflagration across the Middle East. Uh, I just think this is ridiculous, strategy um uh, attack 
that's only going to cause trouble down the road. So what's a European perspective on this? Well, pretty similar, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think our point of view would be that in war, people die. So if you go to war, you shouldn't be surprised that some of your soldiers die or maybe even some of your civilians, right? Which might be a yeah. sort of a foreign notion to the U.S. since none of your wars are waged on your territory. So civilians dying is always a... We had a big one a hundred and some years ago, but... Yeah, yeah. but That was I mean, a while. It's a... That was a rare occasion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to be celebrated with a fine cigar. Yeah, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. And it's not over. The but, civil war is not over. But I think the European uh, point of view is that, that Iran is very much a sovereign nation. Yeah. And that this is the assassination of um, an official of a, of a sovereign nation, one of the founding members of uh, the United Nations, the in initial iteration. Um, so we're somewhat skeptical of the real reasons, uh, especially considering the U.S. history of lying about reasons for going to war, <laughs> right? <laughs> Weapons yes. of mass destruction. <coughs> right. But the U.K. backed us up on that. Yes, they See, did. Thanks they to the did. U.K. for giving they did. that coverage. Isn't it reassuring? special relationship. Isn't it reassuring? <laughs> <laughs> so we're somewhat skeptical of the real reasons and somewhat upset by the unilateral nation of these decisions. Yeah. Especially considering how um, Iran was pretty, or, or how Soleimani, as far as I know, was pretty much in favor of de-escalation and very much a part of the war on terror on Syria, in Syria as well. Yeah, um, yeah Soleimani, that's the proper yeah, pronunciation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, and then, of course, from our perspective over here, we're in Asia, uh, so while the U.S. Uh, is seemingly endlessly bogged down in the Middle East uh, and Europe is trying to do its best to counter the U.S.'s worst impulses, we have the rising power of China coming up over here, uh, preparing to take its place uh, on the world stage if it hasn't already. And they're basically laughing the entire way. Well, they'd comment, but they're too busy building infrastructure. <laughs> yes, Right, so, and making friends, and and providing universal healthcare to their citizens. <laughs> yes, yes, that's too expensive. There's no money for that. <laughs> no, no. And there's more money for war. But you got to find it. Well, isn't it reassuring though that the the healthcare crisis in the U.S. finally has been solved for the next decade or so? We don't have a crisis. Everybody's getting exactly what they deserve. True, I yeah. forgot that. But everybody is getting exactly what they deserve. Yeah, especially yeah. this poor, yeah, like the poor, those are the worst, and then the kids with the cancer. Always God. with the, you know, if they would just beg to strangers more, yeah. they would be fine. If they don't know how to finance their own health care. Why is that on me? Through crowdfunding, I'm not sure what I can even do for them. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think President Xi should do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but China is, um, you know, China was positioning, it was just like a week ago, that China, Russia, and Iran were doing joint military exercises. So uh, what's been fascinating to me is how muted the Chinese response really has been. They've kind of just said, we don't believe in violence. We don't believe in violence, right? So you've right. got one of the world's biggest growing authoritarian regimes. They'll define the 21st century, right? And they're the ones saying, what are you doing, you crazy kids, blowing things up? It's just... More leadership, baby. It's not the Asian way. Well, that's what they claim. So everyone claims that China is not interested in being some global hegemon that goes out and blows people up. Mm. There's only room on the block for one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a smart thing to say. It's a, it's a smart move, man. 
But they could have gotten in. So, you know, these joint military exercises are not uh, an alliance, but they could have been more forceful. But they kind of just let it ride, hoping mm. it would calm down. Um, but again, all this stuff is in play. It's uh, pretty amazing. But from my perspective as an American, I would really like to start exploring our policy as if we just got out. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's just... That would be a great great get, place to start, right? Yeah. To separate historical interventionism from what really needs to be done today. Yes. The problem is once you're waging war, right, either you win or, or you really, really lose, but it's hard to get out of it. And, and, and I think it sort of confounds um, reasonable motives for engaging with a potential enemy with these historic economic motives. Um, yeah, around so, oil. Or, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And around military yeah. influence in the region, making sure that the oil pipeline keeps stays nice and stable. Um, and, and, to even, it, and to even imply that it's about um, freedom, about democracy. Yes, that's always been I our... mean, it's just a joke, right? <laughs> Saudi Arabia, anyone? Have you ever yes. been there? <laughs> like, read, yes. up, read up on it. It's not the, the best example of a fine democracy in any... Well, it way, is the right? kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Yes. Right. <laughs> that should have given it away. Right. So let's not pretend that it's about toppling tyrants, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the the only reason, it almost feels trite to say it, because it's a pretty well-established fact, at least among more left-wing people, but I think also policy realists, is the world only cares about the Middle East because of the giant pools of oil. I think that's uh, just a correlation, Bill. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, sh- sorry, sorry. There's no causation. No, no. Involved. You have a hard time proving that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we do. We come up with all these covers for mm. why we're going and doing these things. So we go from propping up murderous, brutal regimes to coming in and destroying them, claiming that it's well, for freedom. In a democracy, whatever you do, you need to have a narrative that is supported by the people. Yeah. Or you're overfront. <laughs> or you're voted out, right? Right. You can't just go to the people and say, listen, <laughs> there's lots of oil there, and them Arabs, we don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know what's funny about you that? you would get only a tiny percentage of the people on board, maybe like 20%, most it, in the U.S. It, tr- <laughs> at most. Trump is a, is, a, is a filthy liar, but every once in a while he says these things that are so true that everyone jumps on him for saying it. And he did say at one time, we're just going to go in Iraq and get all the oil. Let's just take all the oil out. Which was a tacit acknowledgement of the only reason we're there is for the oil. Yeah. It's, the, it's why we're not, where? Pick a different part of the world. Why and, are we not all over sub-Saharan Africa? And this is right? interestingly. With giant armed, you know, military Interestingly, this is where you see how the media spin and, dare I say, uh, <laughs> propaganda no. of the U.S. government no. really works is when, as a European, or I imagine as an Asian person, you start interacting with U.S. citizens oh. who truly, well, at least a percentage of them, truly believe this narrative, which yeah. is, I mean, generally not shared by anyone outside of the country. <laughs> right? It's just, it's completely ridiculous to anyone outside of the country. How Up can all of where, you be so wrong? Where it's compa- Where, to me, it's almost comparable... Well, allegedly, I'm not saying any of this is true, talking to a Chinese citizen 
about some of the politics, uh, internal politics of China, where allegedly they've been re-educating people or whatever, which yes. they're all greatly in favor of because of the many benefits, right? And and, and the way how oh, it's completely overblown and 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 you Westerners, you have a you, you know you have all these biases and all of these preconceived ideas about what's going on in China. You don't really know, and to us it's obvious, yeah, that they're just completely indoctrinated. And you're talking in, in you're talking about Xinjiang, where they have the Muslim internment camps. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. Right. But are you also talking about the larger just daily life? Yeah, just larger daily life. Social yeah. credit, you know, the social credit system. How how all of that is a great idea. Right. Uh, how you really don't need freedom of speech or any kind of real democracy. And I think the same is sort. Of, I get the same sort of feeling when I talk to U.S. citizens about their version of um, media spin, where you say, oh, oh the U.S., oh, we're the police of the free world, we're, yeah. we're protecting democracy, and if we don't do it, who will? Well, clearly, you've been <laughs> brainwashed, right? Just that you can't see it because you live it every single day. So I'll be the American. So uh, we were talking hey, about I this. want to be the American. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody can be. It's a lucky accident of birth, sir. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so World War II, and here in the Asian context, you would not have... This goes to who's the global hegemon, right? So mm. in the 21st century, you and I have talked before about how China's going to be the global hegemon, and, and the U.S. will take a, a relatively second fiddle, if not below, at the rate it's going. So what values does the global hegemon promote? And in the case of the U.S., after World War II, after we had flattened these countries, what did we put in place? We put in democratic parliamentary regimes in Japan. We put one of those in South Korea. We have protected Taiwan, uh, taking it back to the Middle East. We have protect, protected uh, Israel uh, with its democracy there. So well, is there some truth to the fact that yeah, the U.S. Yeah, in a yeah. longer-term uh, foreign policy perspective yeah. is defending the concept of democracy? Well, I would go even... I would, I would agree and go even further than that. I would argue that, for example, the Netherlands and France have massively contributed to uh, the development of uh, the nations in, in Southeast Asia, for example. Mm. Their culture... And, you know, we've really built these countries up. Sure, now we call it colonialism, but <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about, What Bill? did the Romans ever do for us? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, I really don't buy into it. I think it's a convenient narrative yeah. to mask your, your own, you, you know, need for expansion and military influence. And it just, listen, the colonial powers of the West dwindled after World War II. Right. There was a void to fill. Right. Clearly, you couldn't just go in and take over these countries because that apparently became uh, not done. <laughs> this was no longer the fashionable thing to do. Because people don't like that. Unfortunately for you, this we, we fucked this up for you. Right? This, yeah. was no longer, this was no longer the fashionable thing to do. So you had to do it by uh, you know defending democracy and and toppling, on, yeah, you know, inconvenient regimes. You know, and I'm easily persuaded. I mean, obviously, the U.S. is is an empire. I mean, we have yeah. a global military footprint, and we definitely set ourselves up as the global military hegemon. Hey, come on, the if you don't like what we do, we've got aircraft carriers sitting right there. And listen, the counter-argument is just so difficult to defend. Like, for some mysterious reason, this is the first benevolent empire. 
<laughs> right? In the history yes. of humankind. Yes. yes, sir. Someone's figured it out. <laughs> right? Yeah. Unlike all of the other countries and all of the other empires that have ever existed, you go to war for the good reason, for the right reason, because you're defending freedom all across the globe. Now, if you are talking about the modern wars in the Middle East, I'm totally on board with that critique of the United States. I'm totally on board with it. I only talk I, about these wars because all the previous wars were won, right? And we've okay. we've collectively <laughs> rewritten history in our own favor. Oh, I mean, I, I guarantee you. Okay, okay so this is going so, to be a counterfactual so, argument, so, 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 but yeah. I guarantee you that if Hitler had won. He would have been on the right side of history. Yes, by I definition. I guarantee it that, that it would have been a whole other history book, right? I'm not saying he should have won, obviously. I'm saying he should have clearly lost. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible person. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, the real reasons for all of these things are completely obfuscated and are, and are integrated into this glorious narrative of, 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 of patriotism and, and like, freedom-loving nations defending the democratic ideal it's just it's also blatantly but obviously see, we, we can fabricate it. it doesn't mean it it's is. wrong it, it doesn't is. mean it's wrong it doesn't mean it's wrong it's just that the storytelling is very important but we can't go down a total moral relativist rabbit hole because right? that ends I mean, up with us all hanging if, ourselves right because listen if we go down that path I think we talked about this earlier right mm -hmm. there's there's almost no escape as soon as we start as, as soon as we even consider the possibility that the narrative that we collectively accept to be true might only be partially true at best, yeah, a complete fabrication at worst, and that we're all just a giant world of at worst a deliberate lie to us, worst a deliberate lie to, to us to manipulate us. us to not overthrow our government that right. goes to war for economic and selfish reasons, yeah, right, um, then. What do we end up with? We end up with a realization that we're all just humans, none of whom really want to go to war, and that our governments are doing it for their own reasons. Yeah. Uh, and, but and, all and, of that can be true, and you can still have some systems be better than others. Well, right? presumably. I, I, yes. I mean, so this I, is the, the Western system of, of what has become known as human rights, right? Just because... The victors after World War II called them that and enshrined them in the United Nations. Uh, we, we can't just throw so all so that out, but I, I totally... I believe, I believe in, the, in the existence of a hierarchy of ideas and principles. Yeah. I don't think everything is uh, relative, as we tend to think today. Like this whole moral relativism is yes. not something I adhere to, but I don't believe in the, in the, in the theory of Western exceptionalism either. Hmm. There are, right. There are many ways to implement morally comparable political systems. Yeah. yeah. And I don't necessarily think that the current Western systems are by definition superior or the best. Hmm. See, and I would have to, uh, before I would get to that point, I would have to go through some, more serious deprogramming. <laughs> I just, I, I just. Well, compare. Okay, I, I, okay. I, let's make it easy. Compare the I United mean, States with France. Okay. Right. Which one's better? Right. But that's all still within the largely OEDC yeah. developed democratic. Too similar. 
space, right? Mm, I think the the real challenge we're going to have moving forward is China versus the Western approach, where China is a one-party rule, uh, authoritarian, no-privacy regime, but orderly, stable, and has a commitment to giving its people the stuff of life, unless you're a Muslim in Xinjiang. Well, and this is actually a very interesting point in history, right? Because why... Historically, why do empires collapse? Because it's very hard to scale. Hmm, hmm, right? hmm. This might be the first no. time in history where we're actually capable of scaling through technology a centralized rule to very large land masses, right? Could, yeah. could China have really had a single authoritarian rule 200 years ago in right. a stable manner? I'm, I'm, I'm almost convinced that it, it couldn't have. Well, they did have, you know, dynasties and regimes that stood for supposedly for hundreds of years, but nothing on the scale of where you can get the granularity into people's heads. I think also they right? just stood for hundreds of years because people sort of forgot about them and didn't, <laughs> well, right. and didn't bother to, to wage wars. There's a famous <laughs> Chinese phrase, something like the emperor is far away. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, the right. It's thing. like, right. Huh, that's still the same guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Well, I forgot his name. <laughs> but, but if you really have a completely integrated, uh, hands-on way yeah. of ruling a... A society or a culture. How do you scale that, right? Without technology. Yeah. Well. Well, with technology, that it becomes will be the easier. Test. That will be the test in China and in the West. I mean, look. These again. We've talked about this. The, these private companies. They have massive dossiers on us through all yes. of the various, you know, ways that we give information to them. So, and this is interesting, right? If you compare the West to the East, for example, like one of the distinguishing features is obviously democracy versus one-party rule. Mm -hmm. But in the case of China, it's also, you know, they're post-communist. Uh, they're not a complete capitalist society just yet. Right. Giant state ownership. Right. Uh, in companies, for example, right? Over 50% ownership in, uh, in many, many companies. Um, so it's not a completely westernized version of capitalism. And it might really? just be it's that authoritarian socialism, capitalism. Yeah, and it might just be that they've hit a sweet spot, right? Ah, it's unclear. Yeah, it's unclear if this is an, a, a stable or an unstable configuration over time. And you're right. It's it's not immediately clear. No, it's not immediately clear. I mean, we we will have a test. Well, what measure are we going to use? Well-being, right? Right. Well-being yeah. for the greatest number of citizens, mm -hmm. right? And is is the kind of freedom that we have in the West, is that an essential factor of well-being? I don't I'm know. Not sure. We lived for centuries under, for example. under religious theocratic strictures in the West. This, this whole thing that we call modern human rights is really, truly modern. It's, what, 150 years? Yeah. And, and maybe you could even argue just the 20th century before we had the kind of freedoms mm. that, we're, that we purport to be defending now, right? and opposing bigotry and all of these kinds of things. Uh, so this experiment is very young, and it's not at all clear that, well, it's not at all clear that it's going to win, which is a depressing thought. Wasn't it all about wealth distribution in the end, right? Why do wars continue to rage? Well, I think that's a huge motivator, certainly with our wars in the Middle East and not just the oil. We do have the military-industrial complex that in the U.S. that continually pushes us into a warlike stance. Yeah. So there's an economic component to it as well.
Yeah. Wow. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is really something else. We better not go into World War Three. I don't think. I think World War Three no. is an overblown statement because any kind of World War Three coming out of this confrontation between the U.S. and Iran would require Asia to be engaged. Yeah, that's in what some I was way. saying. If China isn't involved at this point, <laughs> it ain't no World War, right? So World War Three is overstating it. But uh, the endless wars continue in the Middle East for all the wrong reasons. And I'll tell you this, I have a son that is approaching 18 Mm. when he has to register with the government to get called up under a draft. I don't see a draft imminent at all, but I'll tell you this, my kids are not going over to fight these freaking endless wars in the Middle East that we do for primarily economic reasons that are covered by the ideology of freedom, as we talked about. So going over there and doing it for all the wrong reasons, my kids aren't doing it. How would you stop them? I was sorry, how would you prevent them? Yeah, I know. If if they turn 18 and choose to go for whatever reason. Well, assuming they don't choose to go, but they get drafted. You cannot avoid the draft, right? I <laughs> is it, don't know. Is that when, a loud bill? When, when, when do you lay your body down? When do you start occupying government buildings? When do you start... Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just so ridiculous. We just cannot continue to throw, not just my kids, but U.S. military families, which make up something like 1% of the American population. It's shocking. This 1% of the population has been asked to give and give and give and give now for close to two decades. It, it's them too. We can't just continue to send those families, those people, into these wars to no good purpose. It's really too bad. And you make a, them worse now with attacks. It's really too like, bad that you have a for-profit prison system where you could just send those guys over there. No, that's a great investment opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the stocks are looking up. Yes. All the markets are looking, were looking great until... And, and, until they started... Hit back. Until they legalized uh, marijuana in... Our state of Illinois, which where I moved, they from, have it was legal at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Really? No, I'm can... definitely got to come visit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, Amsterdam now. It's better. Dispensaries are the shit. That's what I hear. In Amsterdam? No, we we don't have dispensaries. It's what do you have? Nothing. Just uh, we have some dodgy guy in a bar with a cigarette hanging out of the corner of his mouth. Oh, really? Sell you different strains of uh, of marijuana. Well, it's a horrible way to get your drugs. Well, it's it, it's it's definitely not up to par if with the modern U.S. sensors. Those are shit. <laughs> yeah, so all of these opened up in Illinois. Wow. After the first of the year. And you can go and get you what your jelly gummy beans bears or gummy bears. Yeah. You can get your gummy bears and <sighs> yeah, stuff like that. I think that makes perfect sense. It's no worse than alcohol. And if we're going to allow that. No, it's no worse. I, I would say that probably the only argument against it is that it's much easier to have a chronic consumption of, uh, of, of marijuana than, yeah, yeah, than yeah. of alcohol. Of of a marijuana because you're much higher functioning. Oh, <laughs> so, so you can you can just continuously use almost. <laughs> Your drug should at least disable you a little bit. Um, there should be a price to pay. So I think you can use on a much higher level than you could ever do with alcohol, even oh, though it's less destructive. Even though there's now more health concerns emerging, obviously, from alcohol. No, no, from 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 oh. cannabis and marijuana. Yeah, well, obviously it's not good for you, and people are now. Well, right. the thing with illegal substances is, is that it's hard to do science on them. <laughs> it's hard to what? To to do science on them, to scientifically investigate oh, the yes. long term effects of their won't consumption. Talk about it, right? And you're not right. allowed to. Um, oh, why not? Well, because they're illegal substances. <laughs> so oh, it's, yes. it's, it's very difficult to do like. Uh, 
longitudinal studies on heroin use um, in a controlled setting, right? Yes. <laughs> so it becomes a little bit complicated. So this legalization should should massively contribute to a better understanding of the health effects. What does Europe do with cannabis? Because oh. the trend right now in the U.S. is more and more states are legalized. So it's country to country, but it's uh, decriminalized more or less. It's not legalized, okay. it's decriminalized, so it's tolerated. Yeah. Uh, some countries are still illegal. So most countries are still illegal, but you know that it's not pursued. Yeah. So yeah. if they if they catch you with a reasonable amount of of cannabis, you just fuck. I mean, well, they're in not Asia, do anything. None of that. Yeah, alcohol is fine, but any other drug in Asia, yes, is going to get you in. Deep, big trouble. Deep shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big trouble. And we're in, here in Singapore, they are hardcore about it. You see it on the immigration form, should you come to Singapore someday, that what is it? Getting bright red letters. Yep. If you get caught with drugs, it means death? Something like that? Yeah, they I'm hang trainer. you. Yeah. yeah. Friday yeah. at noon. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> True story. Look it up. <laughs> what, you were there? No, but that's when they do it, right? <laughs> is it? Yeah, Friday's at noon. Yeah. Oh, there's a schedule to it. Of course, there's a schedule to it yeah. <laughs> or in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, so Singapore is one example, but I, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of tolerance. No, uh, but, but, in, but in Asia, but this is all over Southeast Asia. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just so don't do drugs. Right, stay in school. So you know, we won't call that good news. No, because we're here in Singapore, so we won't call that good news. But do we have other good news? Oh, we, let's look. Because you know, we're going to wrap up here. We, obviously, we're going to be tracking what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, tr- maybe try to line some guests up on this. Really hoping that this de-escalates. Really hoping that people are safe. Uh, it's a scary situation, a uh, horrible situation. One I personally very much oppose. Um, but we'll see where it it goes from here but uh we're gonna try to get some happy news to uh to to sign off here i like my happy news reading good news from the good news network on twitter starting out with a confusing one modest seattle woman donates entire 10 million fortune earned from trading stocks to 17 state schools well because public education (laughs) needs the money that's the modest thing to do (laughs) (laughs) give all of your money she shall not be named yeah Guy gives up Christmas with family so he can rally his town to feed 75 stranded travelers. You know what? They really bought their tickets. His family. They knew what they were getting into. <laughs> Shutdown of U.S. coal-fired plants linked to 26,000 deaths averted and higher crop yields on farms. That's All right. Well, I like uh, that. Uh, Climate change. We didn't even touch on the wildfires in Australia, so... It's nice to have some sort of approach to climate change. But we're going to end on good news, Bill. Yeah, it was good news. Oh. It's, we'll just go with it. Hey, man. <laughs> I'll, uh, we'll talk again here soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>